Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Thad Haight. I'm Carl Wonders. This week, we are talking about the ultimate chapter in the Jason Bourne franchise, unless you count the 10-episode TV show that doesn't have Jason Bourne in it. Uh, Jason Bourne. Yeah, they're really reaching with the title on this one. I like how the poster just said, you know his name, and then also puts his name on it. Like... (laughs) Do you know his name? Because, you know, they're making sure you do if you don't. (laughs) I need to put in a clip from the Casino Royale theme song here. (laughs) Imagine if the next Bond film was just called James Bond. And it doesn't have James Bond in it because. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, no, we'll we'll get the Bond legacy. The (laughs) Bond. Yeah, this is the uh, fifth part of the Jason Bourne trilogy. That, the sixth uh, story movie in the franchise that is the fifth part of the Jason Bourne trilogy. No, it's the fifth. It's the fifth movie. It's there's there there's are only, only five. five you're right. You're right. Yep. Yep. So I think pretty much every episode of, of Jason, the Jason Bourne series we've done, uh, I've made some reference to the fact that I didn't remember much about this movie, <laughs> except that it was except except that it was not good. Yeah, um, I have to say, I while I would never say this is a great movie, I enjoyed watching it way more than I was expecting. Same. And I said the same thing that I didn't remember <laughs> much, except that I didn't like it. And I certainly would not put it high on my list of movies. No. Uh, and I think that's probably the mem- the memory I have is going to it, being ex- somewhat excited for a newborn movie with with matt damon in it and then being Mm -hmm. disappointed that it was lackluster and that's how i felt when i saw it in the theater but i think by comparison now watching it all these years later i was expecting it to be not very good and was pleasantly (laughs) surprised that it is it's okay (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's a perfectly adequate way to spend two hours uh Mm -hmm. it certainly doesn't do anything new or exciting it's and I, I still stand by the the fact that it's a fairly redundant entry in in the franchise. I don't think it really does anything novel. Yeah, uh, I think maybe part of the problem that I had when I saw it originally was you know, when Jason Bourne, when the series started and then especially when Paul Greengrass took over, it was doing stuff that you didn't see a lot of in movies. Mm-hmm. And in 2016, when this movie came out, we're already starting to get the Christopher McQuarrie Mission Impossible movies, I think act, the bar had been chained, set higher for action films mm-hmm. by the time this movie came out. And it's certainly competently made. It has all of the pros and cons that go along with a Paul Greengrass movie in that the action scenes are staged well, but sometimes you can't see what's going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, I just it, it probably also helps that I haven't we. We've been recording these so sporadically that I hadn't just seen a bunch of other Bourne movies. Uh, yeah, the only one we've re- we've watched recently is Legacy. And similar to Legacy, this was fine. <laughs> yeah, I think I like this one more than Legacy, actually. At least this watch through. Yeah, I'm not sure on that. I think probably yes. Um, I think it is probably a better movie than Legacy a little bit. I think the reason in my head that Legacy... I think we come back to expectations. When I saw Legacy in the theater, I was not expecting it to be as good as the Born as the other Born movies because mm-hmm. Born wasn't in it. 
And I think it met my expectations, whereas this one didn't meet my expectations in the theater. So in my head, I've always been considering this the weakest of the of the movies. And I think I even said yeah. that last week that this mm-hmm. was or I don't think we released weekly, but you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of expectations going into the this one when it came out just because, oh, they are getting the band back together mm-hmm. again. And and it's going to do all the things that the the previous film didn't really do. And eh, it's fine. <laughs> I found it interesting that this was actually written by Paul Greengrass, the director and Christopher Rouse, who's his editor. I would imagine Matt Damon had a hand in the, the final script, or at least the lines of dialogue and whatnot that are in this. Probably Christopher Rouse's only writing credit is this movie. Uh, okay. And for Paul Greengrass, I guess several writing credits, actually. Yeah, News of the World, he wrote the screenplay to United 93, he wrote. Oh, I just realized we also, in addition to the TV show, we need to watch the 1988 TV movie starring Richard Chamberlain. I have watched that, actually. <laughs> it is remarkably very 80s. <laughs> I'm shocked. Uh, what, what I will say, and I don't, I don't remember a lot of the details of it, I just, it is actually... V- quite faithful to the original source material, unlike the Born Identity film. <laughs> but yeah, maybe we can add that to the list if we want to. I mean, we watched we watched the uh, Casino Royale from... Uh... That's true. That's because it was on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of that show with the exclamation point? The Casino Royale? Climax! That's right. <laughs> So you'll be thrilled to know that the 1988 Richard Chamberlain Born Identity is on YouTube. Excellent. Uh, Okay, well, I know what we're watching next week. It clocks in at a svelte two hours and 59 minutes. Three hour YouTube video. (laughs) Three hour YouTube video. Yeah. Okay, so that was a TV movie. Surely that was on two nights, right? Like, yes, it's two parts. There's no way they had three hour movie with commercial breaks. On TV, they did not. No, 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 no. It was, it was a two night event. Um, oh, Denham Elliott's in that. I forgot about that. Yeah, here I will. Uh, I don't recognize any of these actors. Oh, you found it? Yeah. Denham Elliott's in it. Who is Denham Elliott? Uh, Marcus Brody. Oh, okay. Anytime I've ever seen him in something, I'm just like, oh, there's Marcus Brody. I've never known the <laughs> yeah. actors. Name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like he's in um that Eddie Murphy movie, um uh Trading Places. Oh yes, that's right, he is. Okay, so Jason Bourne. Yeah. Jason Bourne, the first thing we hear is Jason Bourne over a black screen saying, I remember everything. Turns out he doesn't. He really doesn't just yet. Because <laughs> he goes throughout the movie starting to remember things. Like, yeah. Cause, you know, we haven't seen that in a Jason Bourne movie yet. No. Uh, once again, his amnesia is very plot relevant. <laughs> now, we end up seeing a whole bunch of stuff from Born Ultimatum uh, in a way, sort of kind of like Superman Returns. They're just ignoring the fact that the fourth movie happened. Yeah, Although they do mention things from the fourth movie. They do movie mention. Yeah. Outcome. Yeah. And outcome is listed on, in the Black Operations folder. Yep. It shouldn't be called Black Operations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Bourne has a dream about the events of Ultimatum and then wakes up in a in a vehicle heading to a fight. 
Yeah, he's like doing MMA now in Greece, which is interesting. Yeah, I do. I do enjoy this opening fight, though, where this other guy is this big macho guy and Bourne punches him once and that's it. He's down. Yeah. So the crowd are betting on the Serb and the Russian. Which do you think is born and which do you think is the other guy? I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so it's like neither. You can't be both. <laughs> I wouldn't think. No, I mean, I guess you could. Well, he says, Vasily, you're you're next up. I feel like Vasily could be a Russian or Serbian name. Ah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Ten on the Serbian. Maybe all the Greeks are just racist and think anyone from East, Eastern Europe is they can't decide. But uh, it doesn't make sense either. Um, <laughs> so I was yeah, they just showed a very like close up of Jason Bourne. I was kind of caught off guard by how much older Matt Damon looks in this movie than he did in the last one. Well, it has. I mean, because he is been older. Like 10 and, years. <laughs> no, no, I get that. It's just. Because when it, when this started, he was so young. Oh, yeah, that was I think I think I probably even notated that when watching the yeah. first one is how baby faced he was in that movie. Mm-hmm. Now he's the craggy older guy. Mm-hmm. And then we go to Reykjavik. Mm-hmm. Reykjavik, Iceland. I'm surprised we didn't get Las Vegas, USA, though. No. We did get Berlin, Germany again. <laughs> But it was just Las Vegas and not Las Vegas, USA. Actually, did they even say Las Vegas or did we just were we just to assume? I that? don't think they did because they just kept saying that they were going to Las Vegas and, and then, then we they showed the establishment shot. shot strip, so. so like, I guess they assume everyone knows what Las Vegas looks like. Yeah. To their credit, they did actually film in Las Vegas. I can't comment on Reykjavik having not been to Reykjavik. I'm going to assume they didn't fly out to Reykjavik just to get that one shot of Julia Stiles walking through the snow. Yes, yeah. you can find snow elsewhere. So the one thing I, I thought was interesting is so she's in like, I guess it's like a hacker compound sort of thing. Yeah, because they even talk about it on at the CIA. They call it like hacker boot camp or something. Mm hmm. Yep. Sec ops hacking camp. That's what they call it. OK, <laughs> so that's interesting. Do you use SQL to corrupt databases? I, mean, I know SQL can be used to write databases. The database would be SQL. So, yeah, yeah. I suppose you could you could insert bad data using in SQL. It's just interesting that they made a specific point to call out that one line of dialogue. That was odd, compound. Yes. And I, it felt to me like they read a bunch of terms mm -hmm. and they threw, threw a line together, whether it makes sense or not. I don't know. It uh, makes more sense than. There's a phone in that room. I can use it to wipe that computer. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> Here's where we meet Alicia Vikander. Yeah. Who is playing a CIA, like head of the cybersecurity, I guess, of the CIA or something like that. So how is a device from 1993 being used to access their network? How do they have the same network that they had in 1993? Like, how is any of this yeah. possible? What is she using? Because that laptop is definitely not from 1993. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've seen laptops from 1993, and they're much bigger than that one. And you know something that laptops from 1993 didn't have? Internet connectivity? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, they did. Not that kind. It might have been a modem. Right. If they had, I'm sure there was a laptop in 1993 with Ethernet built into it, and certainly you could add it with an expansion card. But. I mean, that is just. A old IBM ThinkPad that she has that she's opening up here. 
Yeah, it's certainly not 1993. It's like 2000s. Although, you know what? She plugs it into something into that laptop. So maybe it's another device. Yeah, it, the the but the device that she plugs into it. Does she have a parallel port coming off of her? They don't give you a good view of it, but it doesn't. It looked like something small, like a U, almost yeah. like a USB cable. Well, that wouldn't interface with something from 1993. Nope. You would need that round port that they that like old Macintosh keyboards and ADB. mice used. Yeah, ADB. That's it. Yeah. Thank ADB you. or serial or parallel. Yeah. Or SCSI. Oh, SCSI. <laughs> SCSI. Black operations. What could that folder be? Yeah, that's the thing. Why does the CIA have a folder called labeled Black Operations on their mainframe? Downloading Black Operations. Yeah, Iron Hand Spectrum. We're just going to go through these. Iron Hand is the top one. That's so I guess this is the most recent. That's the current one that they're doing yeah, something with social media to do something evil that we never actually find out exactly what they're doing. <laughs> no. Well, that's the one that they that Iron Hand uses to, is essentially using the Facebook analog to spy on everybody. Yeah, I guess. But they don't really describe exactly what Iron Hand does. No. Yeah. Iron Hand Spectrum Hourglass Rubicon Spearfish Larks, which we learned from last movie. Mm -hmm. Outcome, which we certainly learned from last movie. Emerald Lake. And then Blackbriar and Treadstone. Yeah. A lot of secret uh, black operations. And presumably they are in reverse order because it says O1 yep. Iron Hand. But that's the one they're, they're, they're currently doing. And Treadstone that's so is, annoying. Like every time you have a new black operation, you have all to completely rename all your folders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, they've had they've had five. Uh, they've had four other black ops uh, programs in between the last movie and this one. Mm hmm. They've crossed the Rubicon. And I want to know about Emerald Lake, because it happened during the previous movies, apparently. Yeah, because that one was between Blackbriar and Outcome. Yeah, so much we will never know, because they're probably not going to give us a movie about it. I have to say, I always love when, and we've talked about this in other movies before, but like I love the way these production design have to invent graphical interfaces that, in theory, make sense to the audience. As you're watching this computer get hacked. Yeah, I have questions about the co the uh, context menu that has mm -hmm. the options of open, copy, copy to hard drive, and copy to USB drive. Yep. One, if those two are there, why is there a separate copy button? Two, how does it know what hard drive and what USB drive? Because the computer could have many. Well, this is a computer from 19... 93. No, it's so. not. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> not with a USB drive, it's not. No, it certainly is not. <laughs> not with this resolution screen, it's not. No. 1993, you'd be working on Windows 3.1 or... A laptop from 1993 is most likely going to have a monochrome screen, even. Yeah. And, there were color uh, screens then, but not... There were laptops with color screens at that time, but that wasn't the common thing yet. No, 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 no. The well, I remember the old. Um, are they called power books yet? No. What were they called? They were called. Um, I think it was called a power book, actually. The power book. Because I remember the old duo ones that you would dock. Yeah, that, that was the power book duo. Yeah. Yeah. And it had a little ball instead of a mm -hmm. track, like a, a pad, trackpad, passive screens. That 
that if you're even ever so slightly off an angle, it just does all black. Yep. Yes. And the refresh rate of like one frame per second. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is not a 1993 laptop. Nope. And there, the CIA gets word of this, that they're being hacked. Okay, so what's up with the ridiculous laptop at the CIA headquarters that's like three inches thick? I don't know. I, I was one of those, um, what are they, rough books or whatever? Tough they're... book? But like, <laughs> tough book, why tough do you need book, a yeah. tough book in the headquarters? I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe that's it. But why? It's in CIA headquarters. You know, things get rough in Virginia. Um... <laughs> maybe it's in Reykjavik, but... They have some really giant CRT monitors going on in that boot camp, too. <laughs> yeah, that that laptop is is something. Yeah, no, I'm looking at like I would almost believe that was from 1993. It looks like it has an HDMI port. It does. It, though. So it's not, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but Yeah, no, I think it is. Like, I think it probably is a tough book or something to akin to that. But. Would it have like a do they do they still do like the satellite connect connectivity that I don't oh wait I think I saw like a logo or something. Would a computer in the CIA headquarters be connecting to satellite directly? Like surely there no, would you be wouldn't an need to. But if the... but if you ever needed it, you know, yeah. Oh, it just has a it just has a label that says private. Yes, that's not the. No, I was hoping it would get a. So here they're running the um, the trace from Goldeneye to try to figure out where the, <laughs> where this laptop She's is. She's got to spike them. Spike, spike <laughs> them. <laughs> Sit on it, but you don't take it with you. <laughs> this, I think, is clever. They put a little malware onto that computer. Yeah, she spikes them. She spikes them, yeah. <laughs> External trace detected. She doesn't rip the circuit boards out of the... Okay, I just Googled tough book, and one of the first results is one that looks very similar to this. So, yeah, okay. that's what so it is. So it is a tough book. Okay. Or at least there are tough books that are this thick, so it would make sense. Mm. Yeah, that is what it is. Still weird to have it in an office. Yes. And they kill the power to the thing, because I guess that's something they can do from the CIA. The CIA could just kill the power to a building in Iceland? Apparently. I suspect the Icelandic authorities wouldn't be too happy about that. No. <laughs> she, she just sets the book on the laptop on fire. Yeah, and I like leaves. that. <laughs> and we have a new evil CIA guy. We have a new one every movie. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this is Tommy Lee Jones. It is most Tommy Lee Jones. Mm -hmm. Tommy Lee Jones becomes more Tommy Lee Jones with each passing year, honestly. Like he the he older really does. he gets, the more Tommy Lee Jones he is. <laughs> They've been hacked, and this they say this could affect Deep Dream and Iron Hand. Yes. We've seen something about Iron Hand. We don't know what Deep Dream is yet. It's a good thing. That's literally the next scene is us seeing Deep Dream Corporation. That's true. Deep Dream Corporation in Silicon Valley, California. And we find out that, yeah, it's basically Facebook. Yeah. And what's his name from Rogue One is the CEO of the oh, company. Yeah. Riz Ahmed. And if you ever watch Billions, you have um, Spiros in the background there as his assistant. I actually have not seen Billions. Oh, okay. 
Dubna 48K. That's the one with Paul that, Giamatti in it, right? It is, yeah. yeah. And Damien Lewis for the most part. And then he left for a little while. I should watch that sometime, especially now that, you know, it's included in my Paramount Plus subscription. <laughs> Alicia Vikander is working on a much more uh, up-to-date laptop. Yes. In her office. Really bad luck that the first name that she clicks on is Knight Rider, which is Nikki. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame that uh, Julia Stiles is barely in this movie, too. Well, that's kind of what they do with her. She shows up for like mm-hmm. a total of 15 to 20 minutes. And <laughs> I suspect she will not show up if they do another one. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a high probability that she's not going to be in any next movie if they make one. <laughs> so I didn't even know what is the director of national intelligence? Is that a real position? Because mm-hmm. it's not something yep. I'm familiar with. No, it, it's a real position. So they just oversee all of the intelligence agencies? Yeah, they're they're kind of the umbrella for the, all the all the intelligence agencies in the country, I think. Aha. And that is a position that the president picks. Okay. Okay. I think he's under the Secretary of Defense, but I could be wrong. The current director of national intelligence is Avril Haines. The form, formal uh style would be referring to her as the honorable Ad- Avril Haines, which is kind of weird, oh, but okay. That's in- interesting. It sounds very British does member of the national security council that makes sense Mm -hmm. it's only existed since 2005 i misspoke because i said he might be under the department of defense but i'm assuming it's national it's homeland security and not uh oh that would make more sense i suppose yeah and also if the position was created in 2005 that would also make yeah because until 2005 it was the director of the cia that was also the director of central intelligence Mm. which was the position that existed before this one. So it was okay. basically the CIA was in charge of all of the intelligence agencies. It was part of the Intelligence Reform and Terrorism Prevention Act. Mm. It prohibits the director of national intelligence from serving as the director or head of any other intelligence community element at the same time. Which is probably a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's not actually in charge of all in- intelligence because the NSA is actually still under the DOD instead. Hmm. Okay. I knew something was under DOD, but the National Reconnaissance Office and National Geospatial Intelligence Agency are also under the DND. But I did not know we had a National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Until just no, now. I didn't either. <laughs> Sounds like something part of Space Force or something. <laughs> it's a combat support agency whose primary mission is collecting, analyzing, and distributing geospatial intelligence. So. <laughs> GPS information? <laughs> like It was initially known as the National Imagery and Mapping Agency. Ah, so it's spy satellites and things. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah, okay. Anyway, not that we've gone down that rabbit yeah. hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so here's where uh, Alicia Vikander, who's, I should call her by her character name, which is Heather Lee, which mm-hmm. is a, a name. Uh, she goes and talks to CIA director Dewey. That's Tommy Lee Jones and the director of national intelligence. Who's uh, that guy whose name, the actor name, I don't remember. Uh, she's essentially saying she wants to be the one in charge of finding Nikki Parsons and her stolen data. Cause she embedded stuff in it. Yeah. And, and she, I think quite correct. I think quite correctly, the director is like, you don't, you're, you're not read into this information, so you can't be involved. Yeah. 
but she wants to move on and she's she's someone who clearly wants to wants to do this so as a stepping stone to to move up in the world yes i find her accent odd you know i've been wondering about that and i and i honestly because most movies that she's in she is not an american right so i'm honestly wondering if this is just either her her attempt at an american accent or mm-hmm. possibly just her regular english accent maybe I mean, I went back and watched a few scenes from Ex Machina, mm-hmm. which is the first thing I really remember seeing her in. And she kind of has a what what an American would say is a no accent kind of voice, mm-hmm. uh, which is it seems a little less stilted than in this movie. And she also had fewer lines in that movie. So maybe that had something to do with it. Um, it's not bad. It just was. Yeah, it it's just kind of caught it's me clearly off guard an accent bit. of some kind. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, but I mean, she's Swedish. She's Swedish so, so, yeah. Yeah. The first thing I recall her in was the Danish girl. Oh, you're right. Yeah, she was in that. I do remember in which she played that. a yeah. Danish girl, but not the titular Danish girl. No, a, the non titular Danish girl. Yeah. And she was in the terrible um, Tomb Raider movie a couple years ago. Yeah, we have talked about that a few times <laughs> as, as being terrible. <laughs> Well, it's okay. It still is terrible. I mean, I haven't seen it since, so maybe it's not <laughs> still terrible. Maybe like Jason Bourne, I actually would like it better on a second rewatch. But I, I doubt, doubt it, it because the yeah. because I really like the game it was based on and it, the movie doesn't have any zombie samurai and that was a big part of the <laughs> game. So, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Get an establishing shot of Rome, Italy. <laughs> Do they say, they say Rome, they... Italy? It says Rome, Italy. Excellent. Here's where um, the new asset shows up. Yep. Vincent Cassell from many things. Most <laughs> first thing I always think of is Ocean's, Ocean's 12. 12. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's of, been in other things, but I think of that Ocean's 12 and that scene where he's dancing through the laser beams. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a very good movie either. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's it is the least of the oceans. Yes. Oceans 13, I think, is my favorite. I, I like Oceans 13 because like the whole thing is the is that they're not trying to steal. They're just trying to ruin Al Pacino. And yes. that makes it so much better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, we don't care how much money we get. We just want everyone to take the house. And it has Eddie Izzard in it. It does. Which is always a plus. Mm-hmm. He was in this. He was in Oceans 12, though. Which didn't make it a lot better. That's true. <laughs> Get Matt Damon with that fake nose. <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's supposed to be. Uh, yeah, I know. So surprise, surprise, we're going to activate this mysterious asset to go after whomever they want to go after. Mm-hmm. T- tends to end up being Jason Bourne. And we go back to Athens, Greece, because we want to make sure we know which Athens they're in. Yeah, and I think the other guy's the Serbian in this case, because he's got like that bird on his shoulder which i think is a mm, serbian symbol maybe yeah well, I, th- I actually i think of that more as because it's, it's on the albanian flag so i think of it as like a as like a, a balkan sort of symbol but i could be mm-hmm. i i sincerely apologize to any anyone <laughs> from the balkans who is listening to this and getting and <laughs> wants to correct me on this feel free yeah why does jason Bourne still have his jason Bourne passport <laughs> That is an excellent question. <laughs> and here we are at Fight Club again. Mm-hmm. 
he's getting beat up and then he sees Nikki in the audience. So he then suddenly starts beating the crap out of this guy. Yeah. And they're going to meet downtown, but there's a riot happening downtown. Mm -hmm. This was right around the time of all the austerity stuff, right? Yes, I believe so. That's probably. Yeah, I I really like how she's on the bus with all these people that are calmly riding the bus and then they all jump off the bus riding. Yeah, (laughs) I really enjoyed that. My favorite bit with I think with the whole riot is when there's a guy that's about to throw a Molotov cocktail and Bourne just grabs it and takes it from him and then throws it on the ground just to aid his escape. Yes, I don't think they actually I guess they're they're just really very much setting this movie in the year that it takes place Mm -hmm. because we have this and later we'll see scaffolding on the uh, on the Capitol building. Yep. And the um, convention in Las Vegas has has 2016 written all over it in lots mm-hmm. of places. Yep. I mean, this part of the scene, I think, is fine. It, I like, you know, the, the classic get lost in the crowd mm-hmm. confusion stuff that happens here. And Bourne eventually runs in the, or finds Nikki. And then they set off on a motorbike and it gets hard to watch again. It gets impossible to see what's happening. I have complained about... The fact that our modern filmmaking is set on 24 frames per second because that's what was established like 80 years ago when they first started doing film and that's as fast as they could run the cameras. When you're doing high motion scenes like this, especially in the dark, where it's already harder to see and everything just turns into a blur when it's only 24 frames per second. If they had shot this film in 60 frames per second, it would probably be a lot easier to see what was going on. And I know if I said that to Paul Greengrass, he would say, well, the blur and the not being able to see what's happening is part of the artistic direction of the movie. But that's bullshit. (laughs) I get your artistic vision, but I'd rather see the or be able to make out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Like freaking freaking Snyder with his four by three Justice League. Yep. I will say, though, that I found the shaky cam in this a lot less annoying than I did in the Bourne Ultimatum. Yes, I agree Uh, with that. And maybe it's just more films are done this way and or they figured out how to do it a little bit better. I think the cameras are just a little better now. Yeah, maybe. But give it more frames and then the Mm -hmm. shakiness doesn't matter as much because you can still see (laughs) when the camera moves. There's a reason when people are playing video games, they want at least 60 frames per second. Heck, a lot of them want like 144 these days. We've got the assets trying to uh, take him out. We had the cool scene where where Heather Lee is guiding the asset, telling him where he needs to go and when when he'll show up. I thought that that was that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. It was a fun scene there. And he he shoots Nikki. He does. And then he shoots her again. Yeah, because she gets up to prevent Jason Bourne from getting up and trying to save her. Mm -hmm. But conveniently, he then gets the key to her storage locker or whatever that is that she drops. Yeah. Because it's the storage locker that he goes to. Mm-hmm. And we notice something is going on with the asset because he refuses to leave the scene for a while. Heather Lee then calls calls out uh, at one point. Yeah, Because it turns out he's personally involved because he believes that it's Bourne's fault that he was captured and tortured in the past, even though it's Which, not actually Bourne's it's not. fault. <laughs> No, (laughs) like, I guess I get like this is where I'm confused because this 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 movie at times made me feel like they were trying to undo some of what the fourth movie did. Mm -hmm. Like where they had all the scenes about at the end, 
of the fourth movie where you find out, well, Pam Landy didn't actually expose Black Briar. We stopped it from happening and everything's fine and she's going to get in trouble and go to jail or whatever. Yeah, well, I feel like that's just uh, it, it kind of you kind of get the feeling. Yeah, Paul Greengrass is back. And he's like, well, I don't care about what they did in that movie when I wasn't here. Yeah. So this is yeah, this is basically just this is basically a sequel to the third one and not the fourth one. Mm-hmm. Despite, you know, a few references here and there. So this this chase scene is cool. I still wish I could have seen more of it. But yes, um, <laughs> it, it was cool. Yeah. But uh, well, Bourne goes to the storage locker. Yes, that has that belongs to the key that uh, he got. He finds the encrypted USB drive with the helpful label encrypted on it uh, <laughs> in an old Band-Aid box and goes through <laughs> goes through her notes and then. Because it's it's not a Jason Bourne movie unless we go to an internet cafe. <laughs> Jason Bourne goes to the internet cafe and Googles this number that he finds. Oh, and just like uh, a season seven episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, we find out that Jason Bourne's father is involved now. Also, the monitor in that internet cafe is disgusting. <laughs> this is an exceptionally seedy <laughs> internet cafe. Like when especially like when he pulls up the Google page. And mm-hmm. it's a white background. You just see all that filth on the screen. Yeah, that is gross. Ugh. Yeah. So now we yes, we have uh, we have the Steve Jobs keynote. I sort of enjoy the juxtaposition of going from a very obviously branded Google search to this CEO talking about how privacy is important <laughs> and how they're not going to take your data, even though he is. But right. This is like the most naive group of tech people I've ever seen, because all he has to say is, I promise we will never take your data. And then they all jump up and give him a standing ovation. Yeah, if he's not like <laughs> detailing how they make sure no. to keep the data encrypted and not seen even by them or anything, right. he's just saying it. Yeah, no. And also he says this is all unprecedented. And I would think that Google would think it was fairly precedented already. It is pretty precedented. Yeah. So here's where we do see the scaffolding on the tablet book, mm-hmm. which was yep. around this time, obviously, because, I mean, they shot it. And because there are rich people in Washington, D.C., they go to the Capitol Grill. <laughs> I have never been to the Capitol Grill. Hmm. I've never been either. I'm not a rich but... person. No, me neither. I've been by this Capitol Grill. Well, sure. Down the street from my house, actually, but several blocks. But <laughs> you can st- I was going to say, you cannot see the Capitol building from your house. I cannot, no. Yeah, so now we find out that, yeah, uh, Steve Jobs, because I don't know the guy's actual name, is uh, basically under the thumb of the CIA here. Yep, because they invested in his uh, company or startup. Yes. Aaron Kalor, that's the character's name. Because the CIA invested in his company, and now they... Uh, that is an interesting w- plot twist on that like Mm -hmm. cia is involved in this like i mean i wouldn't put it past the cia to do things like this but i wasn't aware that the cia did things like this they might do these things for real and we wouldn't know it that's true so there's this (laughs) random aside the scene where they go to berlin germany and jason Bourne is in the station there's a guy behind him that looks just like Tommy Lee Jones for a second that I thought was Tommy Lee Jones. And I'm like, how did he get to Berlin? But it's it it's does actually... kind of look like Tommy Lee Jones. I Doesn't see what he? you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> they put the wrong extra in that shot. 
That's the same establishing shot they used in the second movie. <laughs> Possible. But uh, Heather Lee is reading uh, the Bourne files here. Yep. And a lot of helpful pull quotes. Yeah. In this file. Why are there pull quotes at all? It's so the camera can find them. <laughs> Does the CIA write their articles, <laughs> write their um, their dossiers like uh, Washington Post articles? I mean, <laughs> it's the TLDR version of the report. I, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, she finds that she sees the, the psychological estimation that Bourne will never find peace out in the cold. Eventually, he'll reach a tipping point and that puts it in her head that she's going to be the one to bring him in. Bring him back into the, the government and back to work for him, for the CIA. Meanwhile, Bourne is going to go visit this, the hacktivist guy, the Christian DeSoto, or whatever his name is, the guy who Nikki was sort of working with. Yeah, I mean, I, I figure he's based a lot on Julian Assange. Yeah. Well, they name drop Snowden multiple times. They do, yes. But yeah, this is more definitely the more of the Let's burn everything down kind of guy. Yeah. But this is where they they activate the or open the files. Very Mission Impossible one here. <laughs> where they, they use the, the files to locate where the where they're, they're opening the files from. Yeah, which kind of is possible, but also mm -hmm. I would think would not happen on a professional hacker's computer. Like I would assume it would be locked down to prevent that sort of thing. Well, and you think it would also it's less it's it's more plausible than when they hack through his phone to delete the files. Yeah, off of that the is. Yeah, that that was not <laughs> happening at all. Not only did it delete the files, but it like destroyed the computer. The computer like shuts down, presumably yeah. dead. I don't know how you would do it, but I could see it being more plausible that you could essentially nuke the computer and not then yeah, delete the files, I guess. But no, I mean, no. Unless you can turn the phone into an EMP. That would be weird. Pretty sure it would violate those, like, FCC warnings on all devices. That are on the back of the phones. That say, <laughs> yes. you know, this device yeah. cannot create any harmful interference. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's true. They're not on the back of the phones anymore. They're just, like, on a piece of paper that comes in the box with the phone these days. I think we have Apple to blame for that. Probably, yeah. The, the first iPhone was the first time I saw that not being on a phone. Hmm. Okay. Maybe it can create harmful interference. I don't think so. No. I remember back in the 90s, it was on every consumer electronic. Like, yep. Like calculators would say that on them. calculators, children's toys. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. How does this guy just have like over the air Internet when he's supposed to be this great hacker? He would have been wired in through a firewall that you couldn't get through just but yeah anyway, i mean well sense. he might have you know super secure wi-fi but also there's a cord coming out of the side of that computer yeah that could be you know but even if it is wi-fi oh no that's just a dongle of some kind never mind oh is it <laughs> there is a, a cord but that's the power cord yeah no it's connected to wi-fi i guess um yeah which i i just don't believe would would be true like i feel like if you've got this secret data on the you, he would even have it on a computer that's not connected to any network. Yep. Well, Bourne did. I mean, he, this data is not on that computer. He Bourne gave him the the USB drive to open. Right. But he would have, I suppose, just. And he did it under duress because he's there. Yeah. So maybe this is just him, you know? his like 
browsing the web laptop or something. Maybe. Yeah. Which would make it more like it was like, OK, well, then, yes, maybe the malware would work in that case. Mm-hmm. OK, we just explained it sufficiently <laughs> to us ourselves. OK, just looking at that laptop, it's like you, you don't think that computers have changed that much in the last seven years. But like the bezels on that screen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out that Jason Bourne's dad is involved. Yeah, Jason Bourne's dad played by. Discount Bruce Brox, Bruce Boxleitner. <laughs> really does look a bit like Bruce Boxleitner, doesn't? That's it? why. I said. Yeah. Uh, the I actor's know. name is Greg Henry. He does. He does play uh, Star Lord's grandfather. He's, yeah, he's Peter Quill's grandfather, and he has Star Trek. So I think every movie in the Bourne franchise going forward needs to have someone who was in Star Trek Insurrection because he played Gallatin in Star Trek Insurrection. Oh, did he? Yes. I did not know that. <laughs> Neither did I until just now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> but now that I like knowing that I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I probably know this actor best from Gilmore Girls, actually. Yes, he was in Gilmore Girls. Yeah. So there's no way Jason Bourne gets up from getting smashed in the face with a dumbbell. Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> oh, well, I almost want to watch Star Trek Insurrection. <laughs> it looks really good on the new 4K Blu-ray. Oh, does it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Bourne 6 needs to have F. Murray Abraham in it. <laughs> he could be the CIA director. Yeah, exactly. last thing i saw him in was mythic quest i haven't seen that actually oh it's it's cute i found this interesting they so they 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 do manage to wipe his computer and then they decide to call him up on that phone Mm -hmm. heather lee talks to him and and then dewey makes him give makes her give him the phone he says you remember me and he says no because you weren't in the series before but then heather lee's like texting born secretly Then we get our typical Jason Bourne is going to beat up some goons as he's leaving. Like there's scene of the guy with the gun going up to the door really slowly, like like he's going to get smashed in the face with that door. And sure enough, he gets smashed in the face with the door. Well, that's what you get for trying to bring in Jason Bourne. Yeah. Never stand next to a door when you're around Jason Bourne. It's (laughs) bad for you. Exactly. Director Dewey wants to take out Bourne with the asset and. Heather Lee jumps in and tells him that she disagrees while the, the DNI is in the room. I believe she already warned her about contradicting him <laughs> in, in front of the director. But she jumps in and says that she, they should try to bring him in and she wants to be in charge of the mission. And, and the director, surprisingly, very quickly agrees because, you know, yes. that's not suspicious at all. No, not at all. Yeah. And, and when she apologizes, he's just like, no, don't worry about it. It's fine. Again, not suspicious at all. Nope. And then we find out that he has now decided to throw the weight of the U.S. government behind him and go after Kalor. And get, cause he gets, Kalor gets served with papers from the Department of Justice. Yep. Violation of the Sherman Act. Is that a real thing? I believe it is. Um, they said it was the antitrust. Yeah. Yeah, Sherman Antitrust Act, 1890. I'm sure that's still relevant to internet companies. But. <laughs> Name for Senator John Sherman of Ohio. 
Yep. The Sherman Antitrust Act authorized the federal government to institute proceedings against trusts in order to dissolve them. Senator John Sherman of Ohio is wearing the largest jacket I have ever seen a man wear. <laughs> Are you looking him up on Wikipedia? Yes. Wow. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's like when your eight-year-old puts, like an eight-year-old puts his dad's suit jacket on. (laughs) That is huge. If you look up the Sherman Act itself, you get a better photo of the whole jacket. Sherman Act? Yes, the Sherman Antitrust Act on Wikipedia has... Oh, there, yes, there it is. (laughs) My God. Look how big those cuffs are. They were really into lapels and cuffs back then. Yeah. Man. <laughs> also, William H. Macy needs to play him in a movie. Yes! <laughs> Man, I... <laughs> uh, let, let's, uh, yeah, let's, I, I would love to watch a riveting, uh, you know, HBO <laughs> miniseries about the writing of the Sherman Act. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, it, it's, it's kind of weird to me watching, uh, or use a smartphone, but also the train sort of reminds me of Mission Impossible One. A little bit. I love this quote. I'm choosing the CIA because I think I can make a real difference there. It's part of her press release. Yeah. And in a nice, very DC touch, it says that she was recruited by Booz Allen Hamilton. Hmm. Now we're in London, United Kingdom. Yeah. Not England. Because Bourne is meeting with Malcolm somebody or other. Yeah. The guy that recruited him. Yes. But the played by another that guy. Yeah. And he has reached out to the CIA director to mm-hmm. figure out what's gonna happen here. Right. And I sort of like this twist though of how Dewey is talking to both Heather Lee in the van mm-hmm. doing their op, but then he's she's also he's also talking to uh the asset. And also, and he's also talking, talking to, to and he's talking to Smith. He's talking to three people. Yeah, it's impressive that he never got confused. I know I would have. Yeah. I'd been like, oh shit, I meant to say that to somebody else. And I like how the asset just takes his tracker and throws it away. Mm-hmm. And the asset just kills the members. Kills the the other team members. Yep. But Bourne knows that people will be watching him, so he has sabotaged the alarm system of a couple mm-hmm. buildings, which. I just want to point out that when you see him working on that alarm system, I, I assume this is just done like they as a movie stunt. They just wanted circuit boards in there, but it's clearly the motherboards of two <laughs> desktop computers just in this box on the wall. Because <laughs> you can see like you can even see the, the you can see the ports on the end and you can see um, mm-hmm. and you can see the PCI slots. On the boards. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a clever, like, little yeah trick he does though to get the the plaza full of people. Mm-hmm. Works well, and everything would have been would have worked well for multiple, uh, for multiple plans if the if the guy hadn't panicked. Mm-hmm. Hey, just like in uh, the third movie. Yeah, but then he finds out that his father was involved in setting up Treadstone. Yep. At this point, right? Yep. And uh, then the asset tries to shoot Bourne, but Bourne uses Smith as a human shield and gets away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at this point, yeah, 
we just know we we still know that something's going to go down in Vegas. But. Yep. But I think this is where Bourne re- realizes that the asset chasing him is involved in the death of his father, which I find to be very small. Yes. Like world shrinking kind of thing. Like, I don't think that needed to happen. Yeah. And Bourne also just gets in the van with Heather. Yep. I like how he just kind of, oh, that's a CIA van and goes right up to it and gets in. Yep. He just gets in and says drive. Yep. Presumably they don't drive to Vegas. (laughs) From London? That would be tricky. Yeah. (laughs) And there's the establishing shot where you can almost see the Gold Coast. Yeah. Like it's just out of frame because as you see, you can see the Rio, you can see the Rio, you can. And the the Rio is at the very edge of the frame. And if that shot had been a little wider, because you can see mm-hmm. you see the tall Rio building, but then to the right of that is the other Rio Tower that's yep. cut off. And just on the other side of that is the Gold Coast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Trump Tower getting prime placement. <laughs> or I'm sorry, the Trump Hotel, I believe it is called in Vegas. Yeah. Now, clearly, this is very unrealistic because Heather Lee is on a plane and the Wi-Fi is working well enough that she can hack into Customs and Border Security to get it's a private plane. Isn't Jason it? Bourne. Yes, but it's still work. It's still Internet that works. <laughs> and she's carrying her tough book. It definitely looks like a tough book now. Yes, it does. And Bourne makes it through security, although he does say that he was in London on business. Yeah, I made a note of that. Cause, like you never tell Customs that you were there on business. Like, just don't do that. No, because they're going to ask you what kind of business. Yeah, what kind of business? Tell me more. Are you bringing any business assets into the country? The weirdest interaction I ever had with U.S. Customs, and I know this is a tangent, but what else is new (laughs) tonight? Um, (laughs) Was after I had gone to visit a friend in the U.K. And I had a first generation iPad on me Mm -hmm. and um while I was in the UK was when the iPad three had come out, like the announcement had happened that week. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the customs guy was giving me shit for having an iPad one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the weirdest freaking thing. And then he pulls out this brand new iPad three from his bag to show me that he had oh, a no. new one. Is that the one that was called the new iPad? Yes, it was just called the new iPad. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But it was just weird. It's like, why does this customs guy like? Yeah. OK. Exocon. Is that like an exocomp convention? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, peanut hampers in this movie. That'll never happen. I don't think Exocon is a real con. No, I don't think so. I, I love how he's just. Walking through the vendor tables and grabbing all the like surveillance crap that he needs. I can tell you if it's at the Aria, that convention is not cheap. No, the Aria is the Aria has its own monorail going from it and the fancy shopping mall so that you don't have to see the pores in between. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, you actually see a shot of it. The Aria Express there. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, there's a. I forget what it's called, but there's a really it's a it's a very expensive shopping mall in Vegas. I was just there a couple months ago. That's why I remember this. I walked through it. You know, I didn't buy anything because I couldn't afford to buy anything in that shopping mall. But yeah, the Aria (laughs) is a very expensive, very exclusive hotel, I should say. Mm. 
Okay. I would never stay at the area. <laughs> As evidenced by the fact that we were just discussing the Gold Coast. Talking about staying at the Gold Coast, yeah. <laughs> but also, like, she just walks up to the counter and gives them, gives her her, gives the the clerk her name and the clerk just tells her the room and gives her the key. Like, that's not how that works. That's what happens in movies. <laughs> we don't need to see her get her ID out. We don't need a credit card for incidentals. We don't. Nope. <laughs> although, you know, you think you are Toronto. Although <laughs> nice. Although today, <laughs> honestly, you would check in with an app on your phone and would probably never even go to the desk. Yep. Yeah. Especially if you're at the Aria. Yeah. Just get the digital key. And mm-hmm. I've had that once or twice at Marriott's and it's kind of nice. Amazingly enough, the Gold Coast does that now. Oh, nice. (laughs) But like it doesn't even you don't even need it at the Gold Coast. There's never a line at the desk. That's true. (laughs) So, yeah, at this con, yeah, they've got real time personnel location tracking tags. Did you notice that? that, That's going to come in handy. (laughs) So they they have generic air tags. Yes. Several years before air tags became a thing. Mm hmm covert cameras yeah but i will give them credit for yes actually shooting on location in vegas which yep to be fair is not hard for a production company out of hollywood but no but you don't have to yeah and they did another thing of its time are the uh iphones with the surface dots in the upper left corner oh yes yeah (laughs) little dot (laughs) I suppose yep. another thing of its time is that the cell carriers sprint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks, everybody. You know, I'm here today as Luke Skywalker, but I'm also here to talk about Sprint. As you can see, you stand to save up to 17 cents a month over the more dependable providers. And that is that is an iPhone 6 or 7. 6. I think it's a... Yeah. I think it's a 6 based on the color. Oh, yeah. You're right. If it was seven, it would probably be the dark one, the, the black one. Mm-hmm. That's a six, six or six S. Wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Although confusingly, Bourne had a Samsung phone earlier on the train, and now he's using an iPhone, which OK. Kalor is going to go up on stage and spill the beans about his involvement with the CIA here, or at least talk about how his company has been secretly gathering data on everybody. They're going to take him out with the asset and also shoot. Uh, Heatherly at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I think Bourne's is also a six. Looking at the close up of the it's from the front, so it's harder to tell, but I think it is. Yeah. What I mostly remember from that era was that it had very poor battery life. Very poor battery life, and that's the one that people were complaining because you put it in your back pocket and it would bend. Yeah, I never had that problem. I never No, because I never put it in my back pocket. I never put it in my back pocket. I also (laughs) never tried to bend it. I I remember yeah, there was the thing like there were people going into the Apple stores and bending the phones and then getting mad because they got in trouble for it. Yeah, yeah, you think? (laughs) Jeez. If you deliberately bend this phone, it will bend. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't say. But yeah, no, I I never bent mine. Born thwarts the assassination attempt here. Yeah, I thought that that worked. I I liked that. I like this this whole this is this is a very Star Trek six esque thing here. Yeah. Well, I like shining the the spotlight up into the vent so you can't see. There was no sending the largest person possible up to go get the assassin in this one, unlike Star Trek six. <laughs> I especially like when they pull off the mask and we find out that it's really, you know, Jeremy Renner. Oh, that would be amazing. 
Jeremy Renner with a Vincent Cassell mask on. Briefing before this, Jeremy Renner says, "Frankly, sir, what do you what will happen if you have to go up against Jason Bourne? Frankly, sir, I'll clean his chronometer." <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Renner probably would actually. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right, so Bourne's going to go up to the director's suite and confront him. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate actually there that earlier scene when Dewey is talking to the asset and trying to set up this assassination attempt. And he actually says to shoot him in the hand to make it look. Yeah, I like that. A little more believable. That actually doesn't play out. But and he keeps like looking at his hand and flexing it like mm-hmm. this is going to this is going to suck. But yeah, I'm, I think it would. Oh, Jason Bourne saying it all ends tonight. I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, I mean, Dewey knows that Bourne's going to come for him. That's why he's says to stay in. Yeah. yeah. He's trying to talk him down in a way, but now it, apparently Jason Bourne or David Webb volunteered because his father was killed. Yes. So he was he wanted to get revenge on the terrorists for killing his father, so he volunteered for this. Right. No, I mean Okay, so I don't pretend to know everything there is about like trauma and repress and repressed trauma and stuff like that, but you'd think he would remember this sooner. You'd think so, yes. It's almost like they hadn't written that part yet. (laughs) Yeah, well, anyway, there's a there's a fight because the assistant shows up. Mm -hmm. And then Heatherly ends up killing Dewey because Dewey was about to kill Bourne. Yep. I think this is where Bourne gets shot in the stomach or somewhere on him. Does he? At one point he gets shot, I think. Okay. Maybe I miss. Maybe I didn't see it quite right when I watched it earlier. I like how Bourne says to her, tells her that she was never there. So, that you know, mm-hmm. and she she tells him he can stop. He can come in. Now he's going to chase after the asset because the man who killed his father. Yep. Very convenient. And we get a Vegas car chase. Vegas car chase that feels a lot like the other car chases. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's a little different. We haven't had, had a SWAT van in a car chase before. <laughs> no. Not like other than chasing. <laughs> we'd had SWAT vans chasing Bourne before. Yes. But we'd never have Bourne chasing a SWAT van. No. We never had Bourne driving on top of a SWAT van. We never had a SWAT van driving onto the casino floor of the Riviera. Now, I know that SWAT vans are well armored, but can they really drive through cars like they do in this one part? No way. Yeah. <laughs> I even wondered about all the lights in the parking garage. Yeah. Like driving through and then and apparently not even having a scratch on it. Yeah, no. And I'm really confused about the geography of the Vegas Strip because it feels like they're not going anywhere and then they go a lot of distance and then because like the MGM looks the same distance from them for like most of this chase. Right. Well, and then I mean, they, he goes up the ramp at the Bally's. And then lands and they crash into the Riviera, which are not next to each other. Well, technically nothing is next to Bally's anymore because it's the horseshoe now. But yes. Right. Well, sure. (laughs) It was Bally's then. Also, does Bourne's car not have airbags? Doesn't seem to. Because you'd think they would have gone off at some point. You'd think, yeah. Well, uh, does he ever have a front end collision, though? I mean, even when he crashes the car at the end of the chase. Yeah, okay. That still wasn't really a front-end collision, though. I I guess. 
Yeah, the SWAT car driving through all those cars is dumb. And driving through the casino, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I was half expecting them to have it drive the whole way through and, like, out a back door or something. But yeah, they end up in the Riviera. They end up in the sewer, actually. Or, I guess, not really a sewer, but, like, the underbelly of the casinos. Also, extremely Vegas for this um, police van to crash into the casino floor. A guy jump out with a gun and run through the crowds, and the crowds still just gamble. <laughs> that Yeah. <laughs> We get a fight here that reminds me a lot of the fight in Germany and the other movie. Born eventually strangles the other guy. Yes. Not into the sunset, though, because we have the Not into the sunset. Well, it is orange, but <laughs> yeah, we get the scene with Heather Lee meeting with the DNI. Yep. She wants to be named um, director of the CIA. That's not how that works, <laughs> but DNI does not get to choose the director of the CIA. And yeah, she says she could bring Bourne in, and if not, she'll have to have him killed. And little uh, unbeknownst to her, Bourne was recording this somehow. Yep. Somehow. With his clandestine recording device he stole from the expo, I guess. I guess. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So that was that was well done, though, where he leaves the, the recording in her yeah. car. I hope he has a backup. Yeah. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. He's not going to tell anyone else. Yeah, he's not coming back. It's just more like, I know what you said. Mm -hmm. And we get the Moby music. We get Moby again, yeah. And this is probably the last Jason Bourne movie. One would hope. But we need to watch the miniseries from the 80s. And miniseries from the 80s and maybe Treadstone. Maybe Treadstone. (laughs) Surely not an episode for every episode, though. Like, No. Do you know what we actually should watch? Hmm. Should do um, Mission Impossible properly, now that it's available. Oh yeah, a real Mission Impossible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I need to. I need to buy that. <laughs> Me too. But yeah, so that's the end of the end of Jason Bourne. Thank you so much for listening to us this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at Podspiel. You can also find this episode and all back episodes of the show on our website, LicensedToSpiel.com. That's License with a C. And you can also find me on Twitter at ListeningToFilm. And you can find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. You can also find both Thad and me on Mastodon and Blue Sky at the same handles as the artist formerly known as Twitter. And this is the end of Jason Bourne, but is it really? Because next episode, License to Spiel will return with the miniseries, The Bourne Identity.